Hey folks, and welcome to a new season of Saul Searching. I'm John, and in this episode, I talk to my friends Becca and Jonathan Eaton about the first two episodes of Better Call Saul's sixth and final season. That's the first episode, Wine and Roses, directed by Michael Morris and written by Peter Gould, and Carrot and Stick, directed by Vince Gilligan and written by Thomas Schnauz and Ariel Levine. Now here is Saul Searching. Well, uh, hello, Becca and Jonathan. Hello. Uh, thank you for coming on Saul Searching. I, I just couldn't let the last season of Better Call Saul go by without being a big old nerd about it. So uh, thank you for, for helping me out in this pursuit. I'm uh, I'm glad that I texted you last night right after we watched the first two episodes of season six to see if you would also watch the first two episodes <laughs> because you're one of the only people that I think we know who watches the show, unfortunately. It, that, you know, that's a separate topic that I would love to dig into, which is like, what is the the reputation of this show versus the viewership of this show it's a it's a it's it's very different you know if you talk mm-hmm. to the people who watch it they they talk about it like it's the greatest thing ever but then there's the people who sort of fell off because it wasn't enough like breaking bad or just heard it was boring or something like that and have never gotten into it and i i feel like i'm constantly talking to those people and saying no you really should you really should check it out. Like it really, in mm-hmm. some ways, is in my mind better than Breaking Bad in some ways. But I also recognize that Breaking Bad had to be Breaking Bad for this show to sort of stake out its little separate part of that world. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's better than Breaking Bad in mainly the case of it's the it's the same people who made Breaking Bad, specifically Vince Gilligan, and I think it's just like and Peter you're Gold. watching. And Peter Gould, and you're watching in real time people just like get better at doing what they're doing. Yeah. Because Breaking Bad was so good and it got better and better. And then Better Call Saul started out as good as Breaking Bad was towards the end and has gotten better than Breaking Bad ever was. You know, it's an interesting thing. They got to pull a trick that, that shows don't really get to pull, which is like, what if after we've run the course of the story we started telling, we get to just continue, but with a different <laughs> character and and what we know now, but like have people be bought into it, you know? Because I do think the people that love this show, most of them probably were, were Breaking Bad fans. I could see how someone would like this show and not have watched Breaking Bad, but mm. I think they would feel like they were missing more than they're actually missing. I think Better Call Saul is has its own thing going on from the start, and it's kind of more self-contained than you might think. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. I wonder if they would really feel like they were missing something, because I watched Breaking Bad late. I think it was yeah. already off the air, going off the air by the time I watched it at all. Yeah. Um, and I watched it all through just once. And usually when shows are airing, I'll rewatch the previous season or start from the beginning at some point before I watch the next season. But I've only ever seen it all once. So it's not like it's super fresh in my mind. You know, every single thing that happened, there's points here and there that I definitely remember. But um, yeah, it, it. I feel like there's enough connective tissue that obviously the shows are related, but not so much that it feels like you absolutely have to have seen Breaking Bad to enjoy this. I guess that's kind of what I was saying is that someone would have the impression that they were that they had missed more than they're missing. Like they will see a character yeah. pop yeah. up and they will feel like, oh, I'm supposed to fully understand this. And they would talk to somebody else and say, oh, no, I recognize him, but I don't know what him being here means. And I don't know what the context of this show is. And I think withholding information, but not in a cheesy way, is something that these creators do. They, they give you visual clues 
uh, we were talking before we started recording about whether you watch movies or shows like Looking for Clues. And I think mm-hmm. this is a world that does have little Easter eggs of stuff yet to come all over the place. But you can't just accept it, like you said, Becca, just as a drama. If you start Better Call Saul, the story of Jimmy McGill, the people around him, Kim Wexler, his brother Chuck, these characters instantly are compelling enough that I, I, you, you, I was like, oh, I don't want anyone to die in a hell of bullets on this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like these characters too much. Whereas on Breaking Bad, part of the fun was just like, okay, what's the next big bad that, that Walt has to outsmart, you know? Yeah. Uh, I f- like, what you were saying, Becca, made me think of the, like, what you might think you're missing. I'm, I'm thinking of, like, the really scary twins with their cool-ass, yeah. like, snakeskin boots. And, like, you're really not... I, like I don't have the only the only information I have on them because of watching Breaking Bad is spoiler alert I know they die in Breaking Bad right. so like I know they're not gonna die I know that they're terrifying but you also like you don't need to know you don't need to know when they die and how they die and you don't need to know what they do after uh you know in Breaking Bad because they're already they're so terrifying <laughs> like yeah. they're presented so scary that it's good enough the way they're presented. And the characters that do cross over, I feel like it still does a really good job of avoiding feeling like it's giving you too much information where sometimes spinoffs or prequels will feel like it's just retreading territory you already know like and it just service. feels kind of pointless. Yeah. yeah. But I, f- I think it's just like doing a perfect job of that where especially between Gus and Hector, it's building it up so much that I, all I can think about is how it ends. <laughs> but it's still so exciting to see it get to that point. It's just like it's adding so much value to it that I didn't even know it could add. Yeah. Right. It's uh, like things you didn't know you were curious about. And and, (laughs) and that's why that's why it kind of breaks out of the prequelitis problem is that you do care about these characters. It is interesting to see the degrees of like Mike and Gus going from like associates to maybe people who have a little mutual respect to eventually almost friendly when we saw them on Breaking Bad. But Mm -hmm. they're not quite there yet. You know what I mean? And like Saul too. We've seen so many moments where it's like, oh, this is the moment where Jimmy is Saul. And you go, well, no, not quite yet. Like even in these two episodes we're about to talk about at the beginning of the last season, he's showing more like moral struggle than the Saul that we see later. But what I've said for many years, maybe all along, but I th- almost think that maybe the sh- the people that made the show had to kind of figure this out too, is that you watch Jimmy in action and you start to realize that maybe Saul was always a performance and behind closed doors, he was always kind of going, holy shit, what do I do? Yeah. And I even think Kim being part of it is like something that people have assumed that she was out of Jimmy's life because we didn't see her in Breaking Bad. But uh, And now we'll get into these new episodes. This season begins by making us realize we we never saw Saul Goodman's house. We never saw where yeah. he lived before this moment. That at any point. Yeah. And the, the fact that he has Trumpian taste... <laughs> instantly becomes like a joke that. the the gold toilet bowl and all the like yeah. ostentatious stuff but then in this episode or these two episodes you start to see how kim might be the one who said you know what you need you need a golden toilet bowl like she uh, yeah. might have been the one pointing out to him like he needs to really step it up in terms of the image of this guy but i also think one thing is missing from the house um it, which is any sign of a female presence in the house uh yeah. outside of a a, a a thong on a on a on a on a water tap in the bathroom. I'm but pretty like, sure that was 
Jimmy's thong. I, th- I th- well, it, Jimmy's. But, or, but we can probably expect not Kim's. I don't know. I'm not judging. I, think I don't know what kind of underwear hammock. people wear. But to me, the language of that sec- segment said this is not a house that Kim was living in shortly before this happened. That this she was already gone from his life. So that, but that's the only clue we have as to that. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's where we can open this up. Is like we are talking about why these these micro progressions of these stories that we've been watching, especially on Better Call Saul, watching him. Oh, he's not. He doesn't become Saul Good in the first episode of the first season or the second season or the third season or the fourth maybe at the end of the show why are we so satisfied with this drama and 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 yeah how specifically do you feel about that going into this last season where they, they started us off with with a couple of really uh, interesting episodes but as someone might say nothing nothing happened nothing big happened but big things are happening all over the place right <clears throat> oh my god i don't know i disagree with nothing big yeah. happened it, I guess nothing huge, but it was still so tense. And I, it's been a while since we watched something like this, I guess. I don't know. I felt pretty tense when we were watching Severance, but I think just because of how much I love the characters in Better Call Saul, we were just like, I li- literally was like covering my face while watching because I was so scared for people. It's pure yeah. tension. It's just pure tension. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said that at some point when we were watching it last night, like the way even though you know like nothing's gonna happen to like i I think it was a scene with mike you're like i know mike's not gonna die right now like i know he survives all of this but the way the entire show is framed and shot and lit and like (laughs) like like you were saying like the amount of like darkness and like uh like the ambient sound the ambient ambient light the way they linger on things it's just like stressful yeah it was like (laughs) oh no it's been so long since i experienced this in the show and my like personal pacing yeah is not matching this and it's yeah it's very (laughs) very stressful um yeah i uh I, it's funny because we had to stop. Uh, this might be a different point than you were just making, but I was just thinking about us watching it last night. We had to stop it twice. The first time we paused was to watch a longer recap on YouTube because it's been uh, two years, I think, since two the years, last like, season. Almost exactly. The last season ended a- around this time, two years ago. Really? Oh, wow. So, yeah, two full years. We haven't watched it. So, you know. Kind of a lot has happened in the last two years. And the recap that they showed at the beginning of the episode was like last time on Better Call Saul. It was like the second half of the last episode of last season. And I truly, both of us were just like, I don't fucking remember anything. Some of it I had remembered and I was pleased with myself because I remember nothing and I have plot blindness. But I remembered <laughs> Nacho escaping from that place. I remembered that part, yeah. We didn't remember Kim... And Jimmy getting married. Yeah, did not all. remember that at all. Uh, I totally forgot until I was like watching the recap about his whole like trek into the desert and getting ambushed yeah. and like having to walk back. Uh, just a lot of last season like had had flown over. And then the other time we had to pause it was when he uh, went to the Kettleman's. We had no oh, yeah. memory of who remember. those two characters were. And I had to look it up and they were from, I think, the first season, uh, which is like a crazy callback. But... That's, I was thinking about like how I love this show so much. And like one of the things I love about it is that it does like zero, almost like negative handholding. Like yeah. it's a really, really smart show. There aren't, I, like, I don't think you can watch it and be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Or like, oh, they didn't, oh, that's a big plot hole. I don't think there's any plot holes. I think everything makes sense. I think it's a show that 
is basically relying on you to like bring like a lot of knowledge and attention to it because it's not it's not helping you at all figure out what's going on or remembering anything which would make it feel like like a really good novel or something like that where you might have to flip back a few pages or something but but it is a little demanding when you say, well, wait, I've, I've been here with this show. I've paid attention to everything. I love it. And I don't remember all the specific details. Well, two years is a lot of time, you know, so, so that's a different thing. And it thing. was it two is... years of Corona time. Uh, yeah, like, right, right. It was two which years was, of pandemic. Which is like five years. Right. Like, we used all of our brains to their breaking point. <laughs> but I mean, I think the main things are com- coming into this last season of the show, but also just this, this part of the story is that we're getting close to what seems like it could be the kind of terminal point for a few of these storylines that mm-hmm. are unpredictable because we don't know what happens to Kim and we don't know what happens to Nacho. Um, I still sort of think that as much as Kim is in the crosshairs and as much as Kim is like the one maybe aiming the the, the gun, you know, <laughs> in a lot of ways, I think that uh, that killing Kim does not seem like a, a way forward for this story. But I know that we're supposed to see her as as, you know, having a possible target on her. Nacho, it's almost impossible to picture how he could survive the circumstances he's up against. The only thing that makes me think that he will is just that line from Breaking Bad, where they mention his name. It's the only thing that makes me think it could be a possibility, even though he could be dead and Saul is just not aware of it. Right. Well, Well, that's the thing. Saul could be not aware of it. Saul could be using his name, not knowing if the other people think that he's dead. There could be a thing where we don't know. I mean, I, these writers are clever, and we we all know that even though they haven't been writing this show to work up to that moment, and we should just remind listeners that there's a moment where when Saul first encounters Jesse and Walt, they take him out to the desert, and he doesn't know who has him yet, and uh, and he says something to the extent the extent of. Um, did Lalo send you? And then says, it wasn't me, it was Ignacio. So it makes it seem like at that moment, Saul believes that Nacho and Lalo are still alive. Hmm. But we don't know anything else about the story. And so there's a, they can build up to that moment. You know, like they're smart. It can be exactly what it sounds like, or it can be something a little different. But either way, Nacho's on the chopping block. Kim is on the chopping block. We don't know if she goes to prison. We don't know if she goes into hiding. That's um, my guess is prison. I, I still think that she's probably in jail, which, like, which isn't great. But like, yeah. I don't, like you said, John, I don't think they'll kill her. It just, I don't either. It and seems specifically, too cruel and unnecessary. Specifically, like you were saying, the writers are smart. Yeah. Yeah. It, that is a very low-hanging fruit move to fridge the female character. Yeah. And they have built her up to be such an incredible multifaceted character. I just don't think there's any way... I mean, they took they the idea of the sort of girlfriend character and just kicked it out of the way completely and said, okay, she's yeah. not the girlfriend. He may be lucky to be the boyfriend <laughs> the time yeah. that this show is uh, you know, done. Yeah. But, um, but I think that also just, uh, you know, their relationship is so real that anything could happen. He could just lose her and it could be enough to me to darken Jimmy to the point where he would be what I think of as Saul. I think this this show, and particularly this season, is going to make a point out of showing us that it's particularly like his hand is involved in this, now it's bloody, business. That's mm-hmm. that's going to be different for Jimmy. We can see Jimmy doesn't even have the stomach for sticking it to the Kettlemans in the, the second episode of the season. So um, in, in that sense, I kind of think that like 
they're going to play with us on that. They, they they seem to be taking turns a little bit with like who's got reservations about what they're doing, but Kim has much more focus on what she's trying to do because I think she believes in this particular mission. I think Jimmy loves the idea of sticking it to people, but I think this kind of like character assassination and slow, you know, picking away of somebody. I don't know. It's not, maybe it's that he doesn't have the patience or the heart or whatever, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how their, their kind of different levels of different types of ruthlessness kind of will form this, this <laughs> monster, you know, yeah. that, that really could cause problems for, for everybody. Well, and I, I thematically, I feel like that's what this whole last season's going to be because one of the things we did catch without having to like go back and remind ourselves was that the very beginning of the first episode the the where they usually will do the black and white cinnabon thing was the uh his house getting raided yeah. after the events of breaking bad and that uh tequila bottle topper falling out which is just like that by itself is just a symbol of him and kim's like con artist recklessness yeah um, but also kind of them enjoying that together. It's like a oh, symbol yeah. of their love, you know? And that's always been fun from the beginning. Their love had this kind of, or I call it love because I'm a dopey romantic, but like <laughs> their, their sort of mutual respect and friendship and the way they would be watching movies together and pulling these little scams together. It was all very layered and believable to the point where they're one of my favorite couples uh, in a piece of fiction, honestly, mm-hmm. um, at the, where, where they stand now. Because they have this thing that if they could just sit still with what they have, it's worth protecting and it's worth giving up on this dream of getting back at everybody, you know? Um, uh, But they both have that. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting to say, oh, wait, wait, Kim's not going to be the person who gets dragged down by him. She's, she's going to be the person who kind of partners with him. And, um, and yeah, it just seems like she's too fertile of a character for them to, to view her as the sort of, oh, could we really push his character development by killing her? That feels like that you don't get enough, like, we already have his character development. We don't need yeah. that, you know, and she's got so much, it seems like, story left in her. There's a couple things that are worth mentioning, though. One is that we know that where she says she's from is very close to where Jean is in the Cinnabon situation like they're they're very near each other um so i still think one of the best things they can give us in one of those gene vignettes is has anyone called them genietes yet (laughs) um but what we could get would be him knocking on her door just her answering the door and opening the door would be like oh my god i would faint um because i want this to be a love story that's my when i saw the way breaking bad ended it was a tale of like you know you reap what you sow and then el camino the movie was was a tale of escape for someone who maybe had earned a shot at a second life. And I just don't see them giving the same ending to Jimmy, but I kind of want Jimmy and Kim and anyone else. I want them to get away. I want these two to ride <laughs> off into the sunset together because I think, like I said, I love them together. Um, even though I know, you know, that's a, if a show like this gets you to loving something, you should get ready to lose it maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> well, and they're just, uh, objectively, they're, still kind of terrible people the mm-hmm. stuff they do and then as a couple they're even worse <laughs> and i'm just saying that with all of the love in my heart for both of them and wanting good things for them but i feel like they're so even, bad for each other even if they get a riding off in the sunset ending it's gonna still be with them fucking over other people right it, even if it's for you know a, a balance with the greater good like Kim's pro bono work and um she was saying that day was the best day of her professional life she got to help people um they both just like have an itch to fuck with stuff <laughs> and it just is like an echo chamber when they're together yeah, so just- i feel like it's 
neither one of them can say no. Yeah. So I feel like even a happy ending for them is still going to be a little bit dark and messy yeah. and messed up. That's right. Which is because it's this this show. You wouldn't want it to be too clean. Yeah. I, I just don't think they're going to repeat either of the endings we've gotten already. And I don't want prison to be the way that this story no, ends up. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, that, that the fact this year we did not get the Gene story that we might have been expecting to get at the beginning. And they even played with this for a second by having the, the, the ties the be black and black white. And white. Did mm-hmm. I heard something interesting about that? That was not done with any kind of digital or optical effects. That was actually what? they took black, black and white ties. ties and colored ties, and they had they rigged up like a light box, and they were like dropping them down past the camera, and they just cranked the film way, uh, I guess, fast so that they could slow it down later. And they said it just worked perfectly. That you that's know, insane. Th- throw a little bit more color in as you as it goes along, and then they. But you know, I, I thought I I could I would have sworn that was them just like. You know, there's a fader, and they're writing yeah. in some. Yeah. You know. Um. But but the That's idea ridiculous. that they That's toyed beautiful. with us meant that they knew we thought we were going to get a gene storyline. Um. Gene and scene. it makes me think the last time we gene saw a gene, a gene yet, a gene scene, um, <laughs> a genario. No. Um. But like that, there was this uh, last time he seemed to have a plan. I mean, I've, at the beginning of season five, he realized someone had ID'd him, and he called the extractor, Robert Forster. I think his last on-screen appearance in anything. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say, was he even? I, I could not remember because I I know he's been dead. I think he had died by then. Or I think he had just died when that aired. Yeah. I think it, it was a surprise to everybody that they had grabbed this one little scene with him. But it was Saul or Jimmy or Gene actually talking to him, and then like. Not pulling the trigger. He was like, all right, I can do it again, and here's the money and everything. And then he's like, wait a minute, never mind. And he hangs up the phone, and he walks away. So we know that Gene has some kind of a plan, you know. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the the promo stuff for this season that has Gene in black and white, and he's sliding on like a bright uh, red suit jacket. So it's like a, it's like a conceptual that. image, but it's Gene putting yeah. on a Saul, a clear Saul suit. So I, you know, the idea of him getting his mojo back and doing some amazing thing in the present day slash future, whatever we want to call the Gene part, that's so tantalizing to me that mm-hmm. that's the real reveal of this show is where do things end up? Um, well, yeah. So I, you know, but I, but I, I am still worried about Kim. I am still very worried about Nacho. Uh, I think the show is designed to make us feel that way. I think I'm most worried about Nacho. Yeah. yeah. Because and another thing I didn't think of until just now, like I couldn't remember when he's in the desert in Breaking Bad. Does he mention Lalo? Yo, Jimmy. I mean, Saul yeah, in the yeah, 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 Saul. Yeah, I didn't realize he mentioned Lalo. So now I'm okay. So now I'm wondering. He says. And, I mean, here's what he says. He says, um, "Did Lalo send you? Who sent you? Was it Lalo?" Uh-huh. And then he says, "That wasn't me. It was Ignacio. It was Ignacio. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's where I'm, those. He thinks he thinks Lalo's after him, and he's throwing Nacho under the bus." I'm wondering now if the events of Better Call Saul that we're currently watching the last season are like not only going to, I wonder if we're going to like not only just catch up to Breaking Bad, but also like overlap. Spend some time in that world. Yeah. So like it very well could be that at that time in Breaking Bad, Nacho was alive, but he could die after that and we just didn't see it because we weren't following that story right so now i'm really worried about nacho <laughs> i <laughs> no, just but, want no, but you make a good point. hard and 
that's a that's a that's another tantalizing thing is they can bring us into scenes where like Walt and Jesse leave and then yeah. Jimmy has to turn and deal with something to do not with them, you know, because yeah. we never saw anything with him outside of their scenes. So right. um I I expect those moments to be clever. I you know, they have confirmed that Jesse and Walt are gonna be in this season. I hope that oh, it's have. either I hope that it's either a really cool, like clever scene or just a genuine good use of them in this like what you just said. Maybe they're in a couple episodes because they're part of Saul's life at that point, but they're not part of the story. What would feel wrong would be them coming in and having too much to do because I don't it would think feel they like, do that. Feel like just, that was cheating, you know? Yeah. I think the show makers are too good at what they're doing to to like lean too heavily into the right. breaking bad shit. Well they, they, they haven't so that far. up. There's nothing yeah. left yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's what I mean by cheating. It would seem weird to then say, "Here's this other really important moment between Saul and Walt that you didn't see." It's like, well, no, that's not that's not fair because you know what I mean. You told us the story of Walt, and you included a lot of Saul in that. So it, it'd be like a Bubba Fett show spending a whole episode <laughs> and a half on the Mandalorian, <laughs> and no one would ever do that, and no one would ever watch that, and no one would ever talk about it's that. Such a weird use of characters. <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously at the end of this episode, we've got Nacho on the run and fully like everyone's out to get Nacho, but maybe Mike is is going to at least try to save Nacho's dad and maybe Mike will now try to help Nacho. It seems clear that Mike was willing to do Gus's bidding and incriminate Nacho uh, up till mm-hmm. the moment where the story turned, but we don't know what Mike's going to do now that Nacho has kind of fought his way out of this trap. But I loved how smart Nacho was with the phone call, with figuring out uh, who, All was, that was, who was watching him. All that was amazing. That whole scene was incredible kicking up the air conditioner well (laughs) the and just the another example of the show like not not telling you what's happening but showing you what's happening with the whole like the boarded up building and the air conditioner dripping and him seeing that it's dripping like letting you the viewer catch on at the same pace as nacho catching on it's uh, just it's a couple times during those two episodes i was i said out loud like i'm angry at how talented the people making the show are like it's just it's a beautiful looking show yes it's so well made it's, it's frustrating <laughs> well i mean like commercials look shitty when you when it goes to commercials commercials look shitty compared to this show i saw yeah. trailers for movies and commercials for other shows on amc that are made with a lot of money that didn't have the look and feel and atmosphere of this show like coming back to this show um there's another show that looks great to me is the show atlanta i don't know if you've watched that oh, we haven't watched that it's just a beautifully photographed show i mean it's it's very good i think but i mean what i'm commenting on now is just the way it looks it's like yeah it's like this looks as good or better than a movie and i think that like these two episodes of of better call saul back to back there were moments where i was like this is every bit as cinematic as any movie i've watched recently they always find an interesting yeah. place to put the camera sometimes it's showy sometimes it's not but even when it's showy it feels kind of motivated by the mood of something and the way that every time they do a montage they do a different kind of montage they, they come up with a different angle on how to do it they're they're not above using weird camera tricks, but it's like I said, it seems like it's rooted in character. There's mm-hmm. some it's such a smorgasbord of like technique. To, if you're like costuming, if you like lighting, if you love acting, everything. Um, it's ridiculous. And know. it's another thing that I felt like I had to readjust to in watching it again was uh, <laughs> I think I said it out loud when we were watching it. Some of the camera angles they would be in another movie or in another show coded to tell you that someone's watching a character from that angle. But Mm -hmm. in this show, sometimes that's just where they want to put the camera. Right. But it constantly gives you this like creepy feeling that of like, 
a voyeur is there or you're the voyeur or something, it makes you feel like there's someone watching and it just fills you with more dread. But then I have to remember that sometimes they just do that cinematically in this show and it's not like, oh, there's someone creepy hiding behind this yeah. car right now. Yeah. Were you thinking the same thing? There is literally a shot I was thinking that when Nacho was in the motel and it was a shot of, I think, him going into the the ho- the motel room it and he's out of focus. From, but the from it, a perspective of in front of like a car, a car windshield. And like the car was in focus. So I was like, yeah. who's in the car? No one's in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's watching him from somewhere else, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. Yeah, I had the same exact thought. Yeah. But that does remind me of maybe the last question I'll ask you. Uh, this second episode ended with Jimmy and Kim leaving the Kettleman's after after Jimmy tried the carrot and uh, Kim beat them with the stick. <laughs> um, and, you know, you almost would feel bad for the Kettleman's if they didn't seem to already feel so <laughs> bad for themselves. they weren't actually criminals. Already. Yeah. But, I mean, like, this is a world of criminals. To your point, uh, oh, like, yeah. they just got, like... Uh, Jimmy and Kim just outsmarted some other con people. You know what I mean? So it's like, we shouldn't be rooting only... so much for them. It's just that the Kettleman's, it curdles into this, that their self-regard is so is so high and their self-awareness is so low that even though- and it's like, not it, like they went out after the Kettleman's out of a sense of moral obligation. It just no. served, it happened to serve their purpose yeah, that the Kettleman's right. were fucked up. <laughs> I'm just Otherwise, saying it's funny that you, you might think, oh, I kind of feel bad for the Kettleman's because they're just not in the league of these other characters. It's just like, no, every time you start to maybe see them as human, she says, can you believe that what we've had to deal with? Our kids go to public school. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then I love that he's such a nice guy, like uh, um, <laughs> that he's trying to like follow what she's doing. But he also is like, he almost seems genuinely happy to see uh, Jimmy when he sees him. And like, it's like, hey, I know you. And when he finds out that Jimmy and Kim are married, he says, Mazeltov. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, no, the, the part we left the hardest at I think was when when they showed back up and and she said something really vicious and he just went we're mad yeah <laughs> and he looked so sad he had like the saddest eyebrows like cartoon character sad face and he was like we're really angry yeah. <laughs> Oh, but man. it's it's a good example. I mean, like you said before, Jonathan, it's the kind of detail this show can go back and pick up and say, okay, well, if you remember or if you don't, th- mm-hmm. everything the Kettleman's did before set them up for why they were perfect for this little storyline. And it just happens to be really elegant if you're wrapping up a show to be able to bring something back. It's like it's like using everything. It's like finding a dish and and making it and using everything in the fridge. You know what I mean? Like yeah. getting to the end and there's nothing there's nothing left well, that you yeah. wish you could have used. You know, Breaking Bad did that too. Breaking like I feel like as Breaking Bad got to the end, and I, I don't remember, like, all of the specifics, but it basically, uh, I don't think it left any uh, loose ends untied. Like, every character that was still alive that had anything to do with anything was brought back in towards the very end to do something or to, like, finish out their storyline. Even, um, what is their name, like, Badger and that yeah. skinny meth head had, like, skinny a tiny Pete. thing. Skinny Pete. <laughs> they had, like, a little thing to do with the, uh, the, the couple... That fucked yeah, the over ruse Walter that, White. That, that Walter pulled on them. He he used yeah. them. Yeah, it was just like yeah, like you said, it was. It's just like super elegant storytelling, like to the point where you don't even, you know, it's it's so elegant you don't realize it until after the fact, and you're thinking about it. You're like, wow, that was really well done. 
Like it was a character you wanted to see more of. They gave it to you, but they did it in such a way that it felt earned. And actually, you even think, I bet it was fun for that actor to come back and do this part. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's like, I think that everybody that works on this thing, if you hear them talk about it, they all seem to love the experience. But but I don't want to forget where I was going with that. So they're leaving the Kettlemans and somebody's following them in oh, a beat yeah. up car. And that's where we ended. Now, there's two ways this could go. One obvious way is that it's Lalo somehow, because Lalo would view them perhaps as the where, where he could get proof of of what you know which is what Hector is saying to him get proof of what has mm-hmm. happened who might know well Jimmy might be the person who knows you know he's this lawyer hmm. he's connected Jim, Jimmy and Kim between them might be able to find out so Lalo I could see seeing them and their love for each other or their tolerance for each other or their codependence or whatever we want to call it um, that like Lalo knows like remember last season he saw that he saw that Kim was a fierce protector of Jimmy and that Jimmy was nervous at the thought of losing Kim Lalo's mm-hmm. not gonna not use that so it could just <laughs> yeah. be Lalo, but it could also be something with the other scheme they're running that's about to blow up because at some point, presumably Clifford Maine or, or Howard Hamlin is going to try to figure out what those two are up to as well. So I feel like those are the two things that could be coming home to roost for, hmm. for Jimmy and Kim. Uh, yeah. As our parting thought, what do you think that means that they're being tailed at the end? And, and, you know, uh, what do you think's coming next? <clears throat> I'd forgotten about that. Um, the only reason I don't think it's Lalo is because I think Lalo stuck around in Mexico to try and find Nacho. Because if he he already was on a, you know, was was going to go to the, the U.S. Uh, secretly. And he the last time we saw him, he was heading away from the U.S. border. I just wonder what he would be looking for when he was like asked when Hector said you need proof. And it seemed like Lalo then got a plan, you know, like he seems to know what that means. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's just going yeah, to take on Nacho. I assume the only plan would be Nacho, but it could very well be something else. Well, because when they were trying to get Nacho, remember, they, they shot that one guy who was shooting at Nacho because they said alive. They're like, we yeah. need him alive. Because mm-hmm. so I think Lalo put those hitmen out on Nacho, but not to kill him, to like at any cost get him alive. I don't, That wasn't Gus. Yeah. That was definitely Lalo's guys. Yeah, Gus um, was, was ready to let Nacho go. <laughs> Gus, yeah. And Mike was seemingly too, which is which is kind of chilling. But I think Mike just feels like Nacho's in this game now. Yeah. I'm not going to stick my neck out and lose this job in order to save him. But I I do think Mike at some point could come back around to like trying to help Nacho in in some way. Um, what do you think, Becca? What, what do you think? It, what like is is that the biggest threat? I mean, like, what's the biggest threat? coming for jimmy and kim then if you know who's who's following that i mean i think the biggest threat would be lalo or just one of his people that would happen to be in the u.s if mm. he's reaching out for help um but then not to give you too much to edit out or anything i truly don't know why they are going after howard so hard is it just spite like is it something i'm forgetting or why is Kim no, it, going it, after it, Howard it, it so It is meant to hard. feel like that. It's meant to feel like they're going after him. Her goal is to get this money that she thinks she could push t- towards all these valid things. And we're supposed to see that Kim sees the good in that. But also clearly mm-hmm. she's driven by, as you said, spite or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that Revenge that's like one of those turning sort. points for her character and for this season is to see how, how hard they're willing to go. Because it does seem like as they've gone out of their way to show us that Howard is a decent 
guy or a well-meaning guy. He might be a he might be a like a douche, but he's like a. There have been several moments where he could have been a much bigger douche than he was, and in fact, he he's attempted to reach out and in his own douchey way try to help yeah. Jimmy or or at least try to be a friend to Kim. But you know they, they don't like him. But I've always felt like. I like Howard a little bit more than Jimmy and Kim like him. So, yeah. so, so I, I don't know that I'm 100% with him, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't remember if there was more to it than, you know, I don't, I, I couldn't remember exactly what the catalyst was of why they were going after him. Well, I mean, because there was it like very a well could be him starting to catch on, but it, they don't really show you any evidence that Howard is aware that they are the ones that planted the coke on him Mm-mm. or that they're doing anything. I, yeah, I don't think he would be. He, you know, th- it's entirely possible that he could get a little suspicion and then be tailing them just in case to see what's happening. But the the show really doesn't point you in that direction. So neither one of those things seem like they're ready to happen yet. I think that's what it is. It doesn't seem yeah. like Lalo would be there yet, and it doesn't seem like Howard or Clifford would be would be following them yet. You know. So anyway, I'm I sure just, it's some character from like episode three of season two <laughs> that we've all forgotten about. <laughs> it's all it's coming that, uh, home to roost. It's that like college kid uh, director that he kept yeah. hiring to do his commercials. <laughs> yes. It's Francesca. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you will come back later in this uh, chunk of episodes to talk about more uh, Better Call Saul with me. This was fun. Yeah, definitely. You know, I don't have like a sign off line. Do you do you have any thoughts about this? You've done podcasts. What 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 are your feelings on, on sign off lines and what do you do in lieu of them? Saw um, you later. Oh, no. <laughs> God. We usually just yell, we love you. Yeah, we usually yell, we love you for all of them. All right, well, Even let's do that. the sketchy show. Okay. Right, we, we, love love you. we love you. Bye. 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 <laughs> all right, well, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> all right. Shall I stop recording? Yeah. For more episodes of Saul Searching and other podcasts like it, subscribe to FYIZ on your favorite podcatcher app. <laughs>